So for those of you who don't know, I'm actually a licensed real estate agent here in Nevada. So Mr. Josh wanted to pull in a real estate topic in today's discussion on Basic Money Podcast, also on Keith. <laughs> and I'm Josh, and this is the Basic Money Podcast, in case you didn't get that at the beginning. Yes. For my friend here who is a real estate agent, and also because I am a notary for real estate transactions, I wanted to talk about ways to save for your down payment for your house. This one's a little controversial because a lot of people don't like this idea, but it's basically using your retirement account as your savings vehicle for your down payment. We know saving for a down payment can be a lot of money, depending on if you're doing FHA 3.5% or 5% or 10% or all the way up to 20 if you can't get any of those first time home buyer stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of money. You have the traditional option of just saving it in a checking or savings account, of course, which I'm sure most of your clients probably do. Another option is actually to use your retirement accounts, specifically your traditional IRA or your Roth IRA. Now, you can use your 401k, but the only thing is you can't pull money out of it without a penalty. So the only way to get access to that money without paying a 10% penalty is to get a loan against your IRA, which, you know, you can. I'm not saying it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying now you have additional risks because you have a payment now to your IRA. And should you ever leave your employer, that amount comes due in full once you leave your employer. So now all of a sudden you got to come up with that. So it leaves you kind of stuck at that company and also with another payment. So that's why I don't really recommend it, but you can do it. So don't say I didn't say you couldn't. The other options are the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA. I prefer the Roth and I'll get to why I prefer it in a second. The traditional IRA method, of course, in the traditional or Roth, you can stash up to $6,000 tax-free. Well, per year. For the traditional. Yes, yeah. per year. So you can stash up to 6,000. We'll just put it at that. That's the max you can put in per year. For your traditional, you can pull out up to $10,000 penalty-free, and you can use that toward your down payment. Now, the reason why this is a great option is because IRAs have a use it or lose it policy of you can only stash money in during the, that year mm -hmm. and up to the filing of the next year. So you're limited per year on that. You can't ever go back and put money in to try to catch up for other years. Yeah. So the reason why I really like this is because it forces you, one, to save it. Second option, if you don't buy the house, now it's in a retirement account, so it's going to grow. So you're going to be taken care of no matter what. Yeah. So it's just forcing you to save. And the greatest option of that is things, if your life changes or anything like that, it just puts you ahead in the retirement side of that yeah. and the amount of money you're saving. Yeah, I think, I think it's something you really want to like think hard about if it's something you want to do because at the end of the day, yes, like you could take that money and use it uh, penalty free, but then that's money that was pretty much set in those accounts to continue to grow. And eventually over time, that money would be worth a lot more, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line. So it's a matter of really making the decision of, you know, do I really want to do this or can I make this amount of money or save this amount of money in a certain period of time? But at well, the end of the day, you gotta live your life. Well, that's where the controversy comes in is yeah. a lot of people are just like, well, that should be for retirement and you know, you should have a separate for house. Mm -hmm. Which yes, if you have all the money in the world to divvy up into all the different buckets for the things you wanna do, great, do that. Not saying you can't. <laughs> if you have a limited amount of money and you're now trying to figure out to what point you can push these things, that's why I, I do these other options. Yeah. And the one, my favorite is the Roth. Why? $6,000, that's the limit. But 
if you open an account, let's say you open an account now and you don't even fund it with the 6,000, you put $50 in there. Mm -hmm. After five years of that account being open, anything now that you take out of a Roth from what you've put in can be taken out, no penalties, and you've already paid the taxes on it, so no tax. So the reason why I like this option is, let's say you open a one now, let's say you're 18, and you have the ability to fund it with $6,000, great. Year two, three, four, five. Every year you've had the ability to max it out at 6,000. Now you have 30,000 in contributions in that account. If it's been invested, I mean, it has the possibility of going up or down. That's the one downside of it being invested in the market. Yeah. But if it's gone up, now you can take out your 30,000 after that five years that you put in. Now that's straight up there. You can have a down payment for your house and whatever that growth is that's in that account can still be invested and still be growing. So that's the reason why I like this because also now, let's say at that fifth year, I don't buy a house. Mm -hmm. I buy a house six, seven, ten years, like, or I just decided to move and I'm not there. I've already set aside money that I was planning on that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna spend it willy-nilly yeah. on anything, but it's there, it's accessible if I need it, but it's also growing and the growth on that is now tax-free and that growth can be used when I retire. Yeah. So it's basically like hedging my bet, okay. if I want to say, like, okay, I can save this money now, but if I ever need it, I can still come back and get it, but everything else that that stuff does and grows, like, I don't have to pay taxes mm -hmm. on it, so it's good. And then, going back to the controversial part, too, the other thing that is very good to think about if, let's say, that's a decision you're trying to struggle with, houses in most areas, especially Las Vegas, always go up. So if you are taking money, and in, and in most cases too, a lot of people will say that investing in a house is more of a gain that you're going to get than investing in the stock market. So if you did want to do some sort of a transfer where you are going to own this house and you wanted to take that money and put it into a house, you know, granted, I don't have a crystal ball, things might happen with the market, but let's say if things go as normal as they normally have, even in times where things dip, houses will continue to go back up at some point, then that can be an investment where you're just shifting funds from this account into your home. Yeah. And the one thing that we could say is, you know, you, you made a comment there about generally real estate goes up more than stocks. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna argue that maybe not depending on the area. Well, there's like, the area yeah. depending. I said it's Vegas right now, it's just... Like if I might pick a town like Salinas, Kansas, that yeah, might that not be going up as much be, as, yeah, yeah. as like an LA or a Vegas or a, and, an Austin. And this is something that if you're in the market to buy a house, then you should also be doing a little bit of research on your end. And if you're working with someone like a realtor, then they should also be giving you that information and informing you of how the market looks. Because if the market is in a position where things are looking, you know, things are plateauing, things are going down, things are going up, you want to at least know because then at the end of the day, it's going to be your home and that's going to be your value. Yeah. Your value is going to plateau, go up or go down. The one way I could say like this plan, this way would work great is let's say, you know, let's do a scenario where somebody working 16 opens up a Roth IRA, everything they make. Let's say they made $6,000 that year working part-time or whatever. Mm -hmm. They stash all of that in there. Okay, great. They do that 17, 18, 19, 20, all while they're, you know, part-time whether they're doing school or other things, but they're stashing that away. Now at 21, they have 30 grand in this account. That's great, huge accomplishment for a 21 year old, by the way. Um, now they can have this, and let's say they, you know, still going, still going strong. 
now they have this and they want to buy a property. And you know, when you're that young, I had roommates at that young when I was living at 21, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, rather than paying a rent and everybody splitting rent, like I'll go buy the house. I'll take my 30,000 that I had, I'll go buy the house. They can pay me rent now. And now your return on this investment of buying this house is definitely way more than you're ever gonna get in the stock market because you're also lowering your housing expense. Yeah. Because if you, let's say you buy a three bedroom or a four bedroom and you live in one and you rent the other rooms out, you pretty much have enough to cover the full cost of that. Mm -hmm. Or if you buy a duplex, you live in one side, rent the other side. You pretty much have covered your cost. Yeah. And then after you leave that, you now have a full on rental. Yes, you did lose the 30000 that you had originally that was growing and everything, but whatever growth was in there, if there was, is still working. Plus, you also now have capital appreciation. You have rental income. Yeah. So that's the one way that where this strategy would actually work great for somebody who's just starting out. Because now you have the time for it to build at the beginning, and when you're ready to buy a house, you have it there, and you're still at that young enough phase to where your first home purchase can actually be more of a business asset and a business mind rather than oh my first home is going to be the one with my wife and it's got to have a nice school district with the kids and all yeah. this where now your house is not an asset because there's no way for it to bring you money except in capital gains when you sell it mm -hmm. it is now more of an actual liability and a cost because no matter what you have to pay for this house and it's not really giving you anything besides a roof over your head to stay at mm -hmm. which at the end of the day we're gonna have to pay for you have to pay for it anyway, but I would rather pay for something and have something grow in value that is also bringing me money in some yeah. way. So that's where this one strategy, like I said, very controversial, but if you're trying to find a way of how, you know, I want to save for a house, I want to save for retirement, you're in that limbo of, you know, you're in that place where I want to do it all, don't know how. How about this? We fund it in the retirement account with the goal that, you know, we're going to use that for a, a home payment at some point for the down payment on the home. But now we're not super worried, we're not on a time frame. Like no matter what, that's still growing, that's still investing, that's growing your net worth, that's working for you. Yep. And then when you've made the decision, you found the one you want, you can pull the trigger, boom. Now you can take those funds and access it and use it here. The main point is if you don't have a Roth IRA now, go open one so that it starts your time on the five years yeah. ticking so that you know, you don't see this now and then be like, damn, I can't buy a house until five years. Do it now, prepare yourself. If you have a kid who's 16, who's working a part-time job, open one up for them, have them open one up yeah. so that their time starts ticking and it works for them. I think, I think the best strategy for that, if it's someone young that you want to do it for, is to set it up in a way that it's money that they necessarily can't see. Because I feel like, especially at a young age, when you see you have money, in whatever type of account it is, it's, I want that money. Yeah. I have things I want to buy. But then if you have something set up where it's like, okay, this money is going into this, you know, like Fidelity or some other third party account and it continues to get invested, then over time, once they get to that mature age of understanding their finances, you're able to hand them this thing that says, hey, by the way, all that money you put away is now worth this. Because it's hard to understand that at a young age, I think. Yeah, I know. Like, if you're young and you're 21 and you're thinking about houses, like, good for you. You Josh, will be a millionaire. You don't need this podcast for that. Josh, we know. <laughs> Josh said like $30,000 was an accomplishment. If you're 21 and you have $5,000 in your savings account, that's a huge accomplishment. So something like that, if you do it, set it up in a way that they know where it's going, but it's money that 
you know, they understand that that's money that needs to be put away and that's gonna grow over time. Yeah, and if you're a boss parent and this is, you know, more advanced, you got funds that you don't know what to do with and everything, and you've got a, a person who wants to work at 16, 17, you know, let them work, let them earn their income, let them play with that money. You can still fund the IRA for them. Yeah. Just have them open up the account and then just say, hey, whatever you make, I'll match in there. Or whatever you put in there, I'll match in there. Yeah. Help them fund that out. You just can't match more than they actually make because it's yeah. based on earned income. But just know that that right there, you want to set up some kids to really, really do well in the future when they get started, that's a great, great parenting gift. That's it for today. I'm Josh. I'm Keith. And in case you haven't, like, subscribe, smash whatever button's up there that looks like this. Yes, and go ahead and give us some topics that you want to hear from us. Basicmoneypodcast at gmail.com. We will see you in our email inbox, and we will see you on the next episode.